0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Three in One, who does make us all equal to one another. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, there's a book by uh, John Grisham called Mississippi Burning. And in that book, there's a, a poignant sort of monologue that is uh, told by uh, – it's, it's two detectives that are looking into some civil rights leaders. It's, it's kind of the plot of the story. But, uh, and that brings up some of the, the sort of racial tensions in Mississippi where they are at. And these two detectives, as they are going along, um, get into this conversation that's basically all about race. And uh, this conversation that's all about race uh, goes st- – Something to the effect of uh, the, the sort of older, more seasoned uh, detective starts talking about his, uh, the way that he grew up in a, a very racist part of Mississippi. And he, he, he talks about how his father was a farmer, and it, it, they were poor farmers. They didn't have really pretty much anything. And there was a farmer sort of in the neighborhood, in the town, who, uh, who, who was, happened to be a black man. His name was Monroe. And Monroe one day saved up enough money to buy a mule. And Monroe had this mule and was able to plow his fields much easier because he had this mule. And Anderson, the, the detective's father, did not have a mule. And uh, people in the neighborhood were, were kind of teasing Anderson's father and, and saying that, oh, well, you know, there, there's this, this black guy who has a mule in your neighborhood and, and you don't. And uh, in, in the very racist part of Mississippi, that, them were fighting words. And that was a, a horrible thing. And so what turned out to be the case is that one day, well, they found out that the mule had died. And the mule had died, they find out, because the mule had been poisoned. And nobody ever knew anything about it. Nobody ever spoke about it from the moment that they found out that the mule had died. Until one day, Anderson and his father were driving along in the car. And as they were driving along in the car, they started talking about how Monroe had left his farm and had gone up north to go and do something else. And it became very clear To Anderson at that moment that his father had been the one who had poisoned the mule because his father said, if you aren't any better than a black man, and he doesn't use the term black man, if you aren't any better than a black man, well, then what are you better than? Well, that gets at the heart of kind of our our sinful ways, and it isn't just always around race, although unfortunately a lot of times it is. Uh, Our sinful hearts tend to compare and contrast other people around us. They tend to sort of have this sense of trying to one-up one another and trying to put myself in a place where it looks like I am better than, well, that person over there. And that is what we try to do for some reason. That's how our flesh and how our minds have been so perverted by sin. And so as we read through these readings today, maybe there's an element of us that, well, maybe starts to get into a little bit of that. Because, you see, when when we're talking about the Old Testament reading today from the book of Nehemiah, well, uh, let me just tell you what's happening in that story. They're, They're getting together and they're reading the Bible together. Sounds really great, doesn't it? Sounds phenomenal. Sounds like um, something that we do, maybe every Sunday or so. But the reason that they're doing it here in this part is that they have lost the Bible for about a generation. They have not read it. That's why they respond so strongly to it being read. That's why they cry out in tears of anguish because they know, oh, we haven't been reading the Bible for like 70 years. And that's also eventually why they cry out in joy. But, you know, maybe that makes us feel a little bit better about ourselves. Maybe it's been a while since we've read the Bible, but it hasn't been no 70 years yet. 68.2. But not 70. I'm better than those people. I don't need to cry out when the law is read to me. And then, of course, then you get to, well, that that fun reading from the gospel, where you definitely are probably like, well, I'm better than those Nazarenes. Because they tried to kill Jesus. You know, you, you probably put yourself uh, up on a little bit of a pedestal saying, well, if Jesus had been in church that Sunday, that Saturday with me and had I heard what he had to say well I wouldn't try to take him out onto the cliff and throw him over I'm much better than that and that's what we tend to do in fact uh, that's what the Apostle Paul is talking about when he's talking to the Corinthians he, he's saying we're all a part of the same body And it does mean that we're different. And so he goes through different body parts and he says, you know, the the hand can't say to the foot that you're no good because you're just a foot. And so on and so forth. And what he's really driving at here is he's saying. You you can't take a look at the differences that exist between us and somehow put yourself on a pedestal because you think that you are somehow better than the person around you. So, a little bit later on, we're going to have a bunch of our new members come up, and uh, they are going to uh, be installed as our new members, and uh, there's a tendency, I think, any time that somebody is up front, any place, for us to say, well, I'm better than them. You know, I've been going to church here longer than them. They're just new members. Or maybe my hair is better than their hair. Or maybe it's something else. But there is that tendency that we have to, to kind of compare and, and to say, well, I am better. And we do that in all sorts of different ways. We do that in terms of our morals, in terms of our ethics, and we do that in terms of the way that people look, and we do that in terms of the way that people sound, and we do that in all kinds of different ways. And what that reveals about us is that we are just ridiculous idolaters. And here's why. Because of a courtroom scene. If you think about a courtroom scene, just imagine this for me, there are two murderers in this courtroom scene together. Both of the murderers are there in order to go on trial for the thing that they have done. And as the two murderers are there waiting in the little pew-like benches that are there in the courtroom, the judge stands up. And the judge says, can I have the two defendants approach the bench, please? And the two defendants approach the bench, and he begins to ask them questions about their crimes. And he begins to say, well, who did you kill? And the defendant says, well, I killed this guy. And he looks at the other person and says, and who did you kill? Well, I I killed this girl. Oh. "Well, Well, how did you kill them? Well, I killed them this way. Oh, I see. And how about you? Well, I killed them this way. Oh, okay. And he begins, he continues to question them. And finally, at the end of it, he says, well, I've made my decision. You, defendant number two. You are the worst sinner here. You are the worst murderer. And so because of that, we are going to send you to jail forever. And you, defendant number one, well, yes, you are a murderer, but you're not the worst murderer. And so you get to go free. Kind of ridiculous, isn't it? We would not want that judge to be a judge here in Tallahassee. And yet, that is the judge that we think that we want God to be. That is the judge that we think that we are. A judge that says, well, if somebody is worse than me, then I get off scot-free. Because I can always say, well, they're worse. They did something worse than me. And what God says instead is he levels the playing field. And he says, first of all, no matter what sin you commit, all of the consequences are the same. They're all capital charges. You're you're all going to die if you break my law. And so we're all equal under God's deserved wrath. Which is probably an equality that we're not too happy about. It's an equality that we're kind of like, oh, yay, we get to be all equal and die together. Okay. You would probably be okay with a little bit of inequality there, no matter how liberal in mindset you might be, you're probably kind of like, well, I'm okay with a little bit of inequality. Just a tad, so I don't have to die, and that guy does. But God then says, you're also equal in another way, in another fantastic way. And that's what Jesus is talking about when he reads the scroll. That's what Jesus is referring to when he reads from those sections of Isaiah 61 and Isaiah 58 that are all about this glorious figure who is called a Messiah. And this Messiah is someone who is going to set people free. He's going to set the blind free. He's going to set free the oppressed. He's going to set free the, the prisoner. And here's how he does that. He doesn't do that by just saying, well, uh, you're, you're acquitted even though I know you should be guilty. And nobody gets punished here. Instead, what he does is he says, I am going to step into the place of punishment that you deserve. And that's why he has to be the Son of God. Because the Son of God is the only one who can take the amount of punishment that this room deserves. Because if you think about it, everybody in here, you deserve death. Because you're a sinner. And so, take that times, however many people are in here this morning. And you have to have a figure who is God in order to die that many times for people. And so when Jesus is on the cross, what he's doing is he, he's not just dying one life. He's taking the punishment of not just this room, not just this city, not just this state, not just this country, not even just this time. But he's taking that punishment upon himself and saying it's all on me. So that when we have faith in him and what he has done for us, we recognize that we're all equal. In terms of our sins, yes. But more importantly, in terms of what Jesus Christ has done for us. That's why we call him Messiah. Messiah. And that's why we call him Christ, because he came in order to set us free, in order to show us the year of the Lord's favor. So that even if we were to take him and try to throw him off a cliff, or even if we were to take him and try to nail him to a cross, that he would forgive our sins. And so no matter what you do this week, no matter what that person that you despise and that you always try to put yourself over, no matter what they do, no matter what you do, they are all loved by God. In the same way that you are loved by God. And that is the gospel. Amen. Amen.